Thanks for listening to the Sunday Teaching Podcast from Salt and Light, a community based in Fort Worth, Texas, making disciples of Jesus together by seeking His kingdom in everyday life. Find out more at saltandlightfw.com. So if you want to open up to either, you can pick your choice, Genesis chapter 2 or Exodus chapter 20. Genesis 2 or Exodus 20, we're going to take a night and, and consider what it looks like to rest for mission and to rest on mission. Notice I'm not saying we're resting from mission necessarily. We're not departing from mission, but, it, but it's good at times to, to rest whilst on mission. It's good at times to rest for mission. There's a, a, a rabbi who talked about the, the ancient Jewish practice of Sabbath, which, which, was, which was commanded weekly. There was a weekly Sabbath. And Sabbath was talked about as resting from and resting for. Resting from the previous week, resting for the following week. So I want to start by asking this, okay, just gut response, good, bad, or ugly. When you hear the term self-care, what comes to mind? What image, what reaction, anything? What's your honest gut response when you hear the word self-care? Massage. All right, there it is. Honest gut response. Yeah. Treating yourself to whatever makes you happy. Yeah. For a minute there, I thought you're going to be like, oh, family massages. It's going to be great. Okay. Yeah. Spa. All right. There's a, there's a theme in the Davis house. Yeah. Okay. Juice or spinach type smoothie. Okay. Staying home with an endless supply of fruit, Nintendo, and books. All right. Yeah. Skincare. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just not just nourishing oneself. That is, yeah, just literally caring for oneself. Okay. Yeah. Good. Any, for me, I'll be honest, indulgence is the first thing that comes to my mind is like unnecessary, pampered, you know, whatever probably not millennials, whatever the next phase is kind of stuff. Just, you know, who needs it is, is honestly something that comes to mind for me. Anybody else? Self-care, gut response? There's, there's an author, a friend of mine. Oh yeah, go ahead. No. Treat yourself. Yeah, that is, that's, yes. If you've seen Parks and Rec, that's the other thing, the phrase that comes to mind when we think of self-care. Here's what I want to, want to submit. My, my friend and author named Zach Eswine, he wrote a book called the, the Imperfect Pastor. It's a book for folks in ministry. All of us are imperfect pastors. But, but his big claim in the book is that during Jesus's ministry, even he, okay, follow me on this, even during Jesus's ministry, even he could only be in one place at one time with whomever he was with. Fair? And then he asked the question, why do humans try to do more than that? Even Jesus, during his earthly ministry, one place, one time with whoever he was with, why do we try to be more than that? And it's such like an obvious concept, right? But if during his earthly ministry, Jesus chose to put aside his kind of omni, omniscient, omnipresent, this kind of, he chose to put aside his omni qualities, there's no way that we can be everything and we can be everywhere. And yet so much of life demands do more, go faster, be better, be ever present, do all the things. There's always more to add to the to-do list. There's always more to add to the to-be list. And we can often just feel this burden to be more, and, and to quote back to S1, to be more than even Jesus was. But the reality is that since Genesis 1, God calls us to work, home, job, mission, ministry, family, whatever it is, but also since Genesis 1 and 2, God models Sabbath and rest and refreshment. And, and, and here's what we need to get. Sabbath and rest and refreshment exist because work is hard. We can miss this sometimes. It wasn't until Genesis 3 
that work became toil, right? Like it was part of the curse that, that the ground would become difficult. And it's by, by the sweat of your brow, God says that you'll labor and, and gain food and this kind of stuff. But when was Sabbath and rest and refreshment and, 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 and yeah, when was that introduced? Was it after toil? Was it after the ground became hard? No, it, it was part of God's original creation. It was in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 that God introduced and modeled Sabbath. In fact, this is Genesis chapter 2, verse 3 says, God blessed the seventh day. This is after he made everything he made. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from the work that he had done in creation. Sabbath and rest and refreshment are so important to God that it's one of the Ten Commandments. Like, like again, feel this. Stop and just be with God is as important to God as not killing other people. Like, that's how important it is to God. And yet, if you're like me, you're kind of like, oh, well, here's the, here's the top tier Ten Commandments. We shouldn't kill this kind of stuff. But if I'm honest, like coveting, that's probably down there a little bit, right? Adultery is one of the big ones. Don't have other gods before me. Rest, meh. So, Again, we wouldn't talk like this. Of course, this is the wrong thing to say in a room of followers of Jesus, but there's probably like six or seven that are like, oh, those are the big commandments. And then there's these other ones that we kind of do or don't. Just me? Anybody else feel that? Just me. Okay, great. (laughs) Six days, God says, you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your servants, male or female, or your livestock, or even the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Did anything stand out to you from those texts? Anything stand out to you about Sabbath, rest, refreshment? I love that God says, hey, it's not just you, it's your children, it's your livestock, it's everything under your stewardship. It's even the servants who were not historically treated great. It's the sojourner among you. It's not just for God's people, it's it's for those who are not God's people who are in your midst. And so I just want to take a few minutes tonight and consider that concept that's over here in our world called self-care, this kind of stuff, through this lens of God instituting this thing that lives on the other shelf, on this other Christian side of the world, in a lot of ways, of Sabbath and rest and refreshment. And, and, and I want us to just ask tonight, what is true of God that frees us from trying to be God? What is true of God that frees us from trying to be God, whether at home or in your jobs or in our families or church or wherever God assigned you in life? What, whatever work and mission look like, how do we do so resting? How do we rest on mission? How do we rest for mission? And so I just want to consider this concept, biblical rest, biblical self-care through two lenses. The first is that I want to submit biblical self-care is an act of stewardship. It's an act of stewardship. Stick with me for a second to sound real new agey, but I'll get back. Yourself is a gift to you. Is that fair? Like God created you. God gave you everything physically, everything physiologically, everything emotionally. God made you exactly as you are. And your gift is a gift to you. And your gift is a gift to those around you. And your you is a gift 
to, to those you're on mission to, you are a gift to other people. Is that weird to think about? If that, if that sounds way too new agey, the whole Old Testament, Jesus says, is summarized in one command. You know what it is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, God gave us our thoughts and our wisdom and our spiritual dimensions and our emotions and our action. God created our whole self. Do you agree with that? And if God created your whole self, God also cares for your whole self. And so self-care, Sabbath, rest, it's an act of stewardship. You're just taking care of the gift that God gave you. What would it look like to steward yourself well for God so that you can love God and for others so that you can love your neighbors? What would it look like for you to to rest and receive and breathe deeply in while you're on mission and for the sake of God's mission and the ministry and the work he's called you to so that you can breathe out as an act of worship, as an act of love to God and neighbor. God cares for his whole creation. Life is a gift. Heart, soul, mind, and strength are a gift. What would it look like to steward that well? So that's one hand, biblical Self-care, Sabbath, rest, refreshment, it's an act of stewardship. The other hand, though, biblical self-care, Sabbath, rest, I want to submit is an act of denying yourself. Does that seem backwards? Like most images of self-care are images like indulgence and spa and pampering and treat yourself. Like what, what we see perpetuated across our screens and our worlds and our, our mental images is all this like, it's all about you. It's go, go all in. But I want to submit that truly biblical rest, truly biblical Sabbath, truly biblical self-care is an act of denying yourself. And here's what I mean by that. The main reason that we don't take care of ourselves stems from self-reliance, self-focus, and pride. You believe me? Main reason we don't take care of ourselves stems from self-reliance, self-focus, and pride. I'm too busy to stop. Ever thought that? I'm too needed to step away from this. I'm too necessary to hand this off. Raise your hand if you've never had a thought like that. It's all of us. These people have too many needs. It would be too much a burden for me to put on others if I stepped away. Do we have these conversations sometimes? And so we don't let ourselves sleep and we don't care for ourselves physically and we'll accidentally skip meals and... If we don't Sabbath, we don't stop, we don't take days off, all of those say one thing. You know what it says? I'm too important. I'm too important. This is why God says both in Genesis 2 and in Exodus 20 that God made the Sabbath holy. It's an act of worship. It's an act of sacrifice. Sabbath and rest and refreshment and caring for yourself says, I am not God. I am not God. I am not in control. I'm not that important. And so self-care is perhaps counterculturally an act of self-denial. Because let me ask you this, what does it cost you? What do you have to deny yourself to go to bed at a certain time? It costs you something. What does it cost you to stop working at a set time of a day? What, is, what does it cost you to 
to, to pursue a regular diet? What does it cost you to, to step away for a week and go on vacation? It costs something. Each of these things requires you not to rely on yourself. Each of these things requires you to lay something down and admit that you can't be everything. Each of these things requires you to humble yourself. Is that fair? And so I, I want to be clear. I want to guard against swinging the pendulum too far because some of our tendencies is to be like, sweet, I'm done, right? We are called to work. That's also true in Genesis 1 and 2. Family and jobs and vocations, it is godly and right. And yes, the example of Paul is to be poured out on people's behalf. So, so we don't get to be desert monks and just lakeside philosophers and reject all human interaction and reject all forms of work and responsibility. That, that's not what I'm saying. But Paul's example is also to finish the race and to run well. And so I want to ask you this, because I want to get us to this point of seeing how baked in to, to our just wiring that God has made this idea of, of biblical rest, biblical refreshment, biblical care. You know what the first act of the Hebrew day was? You know what the first act of the Hebrew day was all the way back in Genesis? I'll give you a hint. To pray, they did. They did pray, yes. That's true. They would pray, they would receive their meal. Yeah. To sleep. Genesis 1 talks over and over and over again about how God created something. And then there was evening and then morning the first day. See, we think of our days as starting as soon as the alarm goes off far too early, right? Throughout most of, of God's people's history, the day started at sundown. This is why Sabbath, even, even for practicing Jews today, starts at sundown one day and goes till sundown the next day. They start their day by lighting candles, receiving food, and then sleeping. What does even that fact change in your mindset? What's, what's the first thing you do for should be eight-ish, more likely five or six for some of us. What is the first thing we do for our day? Nothing. The first act of the day is to be refilled by God so that when we step into the next acts of our day, we have something worth pouring out. You ever thought about that? Sabbath was instilled by God to remind us that he's in charge and we're desperately in need of him. We're not in charge. Israel had holidays and festivals. So, so there was the weekly Sabbath, and then there was a couple times a year that they would all go up to Jerusalem together and leave their fields to, 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 to be in, in whatever state their fields were in. And it was right after the harvest. It was right after the seeds were sown, which was some of the most important times you want to be in your fields. And God said, no, 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 come to Jerusalem and worship instead. And then every seven years, God asked for individual fields to be laid fallow and not to plant because a weekly rest, even for the land, wasn't enough. God instituted these rhythms for the good of his people. And what's the declaration of the Sabbath? What do we declare when we stop and leave our work behind? What's our declaration there? It's, this is not relying on me. Like the nations around Israel, again, agrarian society, we don't have a huge context for this, but, but the nations around Israel relied 100% on themselves and, and their work and their daily routines and this kind of stuff. But the declaration of Sabbath was we trust God to cultivate 
and nourish and produce and cause this to flourish more, more than ourselves. And then finally, I just want to fast forward into the New Testament. You want to know the, what's, what's the most famous command in Acts chapter 1? Anybody know? I say Acts chapter 1. Any, any verses come to mind for anyone? Give me a hint. Anybody know what Acts 1.8 says? No? Okay, great. Go into all the world, be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Does that come to mind? that sound familiar to you? That's kind of the known verse, the known command from Acts chapter 1, but it's not the first command in Acts chapter 1. You know what the first command in Acts chapter 1 is? You didn't know the most famous one, so you don't know the, that one either. Wait. Well done. Yeah, Acts 1-4, so summertime, math. It's four verses before Acts 1-8, okay? Acts 1-4 says, while, while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. These are, these are his disciples he's talking to. After his resurrection, before he ascended, while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. You know what the promise of the Father was? Wait for the Holy Spirit. So don't go. Don't go be my witnesses. Don't go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, until what? Until you go with a power better and stronger and mightier than yourself. And friends, don't we all know the difference between trying to power through by our own power, whether it's something God commands or whether it's something that is just part of our natural stewardship, our jobs, our family, or whatever? Don't we know what it looks like to power through by our own strength versus stopping and waiting and trusting God? Like this is wrapped into our very nature. Here's my point. Ours is to work hard and to rest well. Ours is to... to to pursue the glory of God and the good of the people he's put us in the midst of, and also to set aside a few hours a day and a few days a week and a couple breaks in a year to just give ourselves fully to play and to rest and to family and friends. and to Ours is to pour ourselves out, but it's also to stop and breathe in and receive. Does this make sense? This fair, fair statement? Do you do well at this? This isn't a totally unnecessary day in the middle of the summer to pause and talk about this. I don't know anyone who does this well. We'll either go like, ah, oh, maybe one day, maybe in the next season, maybe once this calms down, we get into this ever, and then we realize the next season is just busier and turns out it's not a seasonal thing, it's a heart thing for us and a schedule thing for us. Or when we do finally hit that wall, just utterly binge Netflix. And I don't think that's what the Hebrews did either, because I don't think that's going to form that true, deep heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. And yet, just to get real practical and, and give a little bit of permission here, rest, refreshment, Sabbath, self-care, it can look different for everyone. It can look even different in, in different seasons. So, so as, as Jess and I talk about this, for her, a, a great act of rest is to go wander the aisles of Target without having a child with her. And I told her one time, I was like, that's not rest. I was like, rest is sitting by a river and reading and journaling. She's like, maybe for you that is rest, but that is not rest for me. And, and I, I, I get it a little bit now. But, but for her, it's just 
having space just to be and to asking the question, like, what would it look like to do this with Jesus and just to be uninterrupted and still wander and do something that apparently she likes that I don't understand. And that's okay. And she's like sitting by a river. And I was like, yeah, that's rest. She would say the same thing to me. Like, that's not rest for her. So, so it can look different, different seasons. I, I do this bad thing where I like, I, I get locked into like, oh, we do this. We did this twice. And so this is what our family does. Anyone else do this? And, and so like, oh, what does rest look like? And turns out it looked real, real, real different before we had kiddos. And it looked real, real different when our kids were young. And now it looks different in this next stage. And I assume it's going to look different in this next stage. So we talk every now and then a couple times a year, like, what, is, what does rest look like for you? What does rest look like for us? What does it look like to, to have our kids involved in planning fun things? And what is restful for them? And if it just looks like me getting everything I want, I don't know if that's what God intended either. As much as sacrifice and as much as, again, enabling my kids to rest in the way that each of them uniquely does. This makes make sense. I'm just trying to, to free us up and go, there's no one thus saith the one way to rest. And so the question is, how can we help each other? And how can we plan well to steward the gift of ourselves? How can we rest in Jesus, not in me planning my perfect day and then getting everything? But there's no surprise that there's this, this, this final encouragement as we fight for rest, as we fight for self-care, as we fight for Sabbath, as we fight for, for refreshment, a lot of it's going to start less about what we do and how we plan and what does this day look like or what does this week look like? Or, and a lot more of it is asking the question, okay, what's the difference between the roles I play in life and the identity that I have in Christ? Because we all have different roles. We all have different responsibilities. We all have different things that God gave us to steward work, family, responsibilities, job, church, ministry, mission, like there, there are good things in life. And, and yet the identity that God gave us is far deeper than that. And, and when God calls us his sons and his daughters and his heirs, part of what he's saying is you're utterly dependent on me to be a father. And you need me to provide for you because I'm going to provide better than you ever will. Part of the identity even is as a missionary is in sending us out. And we even see this in the Great Commission. Jesus sends his disciples out, but he says, all the authority remains with me and I will be with you always. So, so we have, friends, no power to display and declare the gospel such that someone comes to know Jesus if we're doing it all by our power. And so even in that, we're dependent on God. And pausing and resting and letting him fill us reminds us that we're not independent but we're utterly and only dependent. But praise God, in Acts 1, he said, don't go out, wait for the promised Holy Spirit. But what did God do in Acts 2? He sent the Holy Spirit and he sent his power into the disciples and then he sent them out in that far greater power than if they went by himself. And, and praise God, the sun does then rise 10, 12-ish hours after it sets and, and God enlivens the rest of the Hebrew day and he fills us and walks with us as we go through the things that he's given us to do as we do good work and as we shepherd our families and as we step into our jobs and as we pursue mission, as we pursue ministry. And praise God, we have one good shepherd and one loving father and one active spirit who accomplishes all 
that we can't. And Jesus is the one who alone was sufficient and strong enough and able enough and powerful enough and good enough to do what you can't. And what's weird is like those are truths that we talk about a lot. God is good. God is strong. God is able, right? This kind of stuff. And, 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 and it's those very truths that should free us to rest and stop and care for ourselves and let God care for us. But, but sadly, in our vein of theology, that often camps out on the idea that God is sufficient, this idea of stopping and resting seems just self-serving and weak and ignored. And so I wanted to talk about this a little bit. It's a little bit of why we try to create some space a couple times a year to have kind of a moment for a church-wide Sabbath, to consider a biblical view of self-care and, and a biblical reminder of your identity that frees us to rest and Sabbath and be a refreshment and to, to remind and go back to the source of strength for all mission and all ministry and all work and all life. Our hope is that we get to steward these short lives that we have and deny ourselves as we declare our dependence on God. So I'll send you a few questions in this week's email if it would help you to, to think through what does it look like for us, whatever your household situation is, what would it look like for you to rest well while you're living on mission? So even if you're choosing to go, hey, next week we want to have a big party and this kind of stuff, what does it look like to do that rested? What does it look like to do that in God's power, not your own? Or if it's helpful for you to take kind of a little bit of a summer break and embrace the season that exists for us and go, okay, we're kind of breathing in this season so we can refuel and refresh for the sake of God's mission. So I'll just close with this. During, during Jesus's life, he did declare that we're free from the mandate of a 24-hour legalistic Sabbath. We're not confined by the law. But Jesus didn't abolish the law. Instead, he fulfilled it. And so he just gives us a little bit of a different view of this. And even in, in reminds us in Mark chapter 2 that Sabbath isn't an oppressive mandate, but it is still a gift. The Sabbath was made for man, Jesus says, not man for the Sabbath. We weren't made to live up to some, to some standard we can't meet. But stopping and resting and being refreshed is a huge gift that God gives to each of us. And the question is whether we're going to accept it and receive it as a gift or reject it as something we decide we don't want or need. Hebrews 4 calls us to let us strive to enter the true eternal rest that is in Christ Jesus so that no one may fall under some sort of disobedience. And, and this, is, this is where we'll end. Jesus is the only source of eternal Sabbath eternal rest, eternal refreshment. And one day we'll enter that rest because of Jesus's finished work for us. But even back to kind of our, our, our talk of eternal hope that we did for, for a, a, couple, a couple of months this spring, any time we can stop during this life and rest during this life and wait and Sabbath and, and be refreshed today, what we're doing is giving a glimpse to our own souls and to the world around us of this coming and eternal rest that is ours in Christ Jesus. Because Sabbath and rest and refreshment are found at the beginning of the Bible and Sabbath and rest and refreshment are found at the end of the Bible. 
And so can we accept as a good gift from God, Sabbath and rest and refreshment? Can we accept those today while we live between? Fair? It's a question for you to wrestle with this week. But if you'll grab a piece of cracker and dip it in the juice or the wine, in his broken body, Jesus earned our eternal rest. It was his work and his death that led to our rest and led to our life. And in Jesus' shed blood, frankly, he covered our desire to be God. Can I say it like that? He died for our desire to be God, and he died for our tendency to think that we're too important and our inability to Sabbath and rest and refresh well. And so in Jesus' death and resurrection, we receive Sabbath as a gift, both for eternity and for today. Take, dip, and eat as you receive this gift of rest and life through Jesus' broken body, shed blood, and his death. And as you do, I just want to pray for, for all of us. Father, thank you for this gift. Thank you for modeling that you who are all-powerful still chose to rest. You didn't need to, but you chose to. We who are not all-powerful desperately need rest. We need it on a heart level, soul level, mind level, and strength level chatting about it one night, taking one Sunday this summer as kind of a corporate Sabbath, can't do enough. But you can. You can refill us as you do as we sleep every night. And you can refuel us as we pause throughout the week. And you can refresh us as we step away from normal life for a few days throughout the year. And so God, I just want to pray for our church that we would remember this truth, that we would find ways in our own lives and it fits our households and our rhythms and, and even the culture you've put us in where, you know, things like summer look a little bit different from the rest of the year, this kind of stuff. Would you, would you help us to pay attention to those things and to see them as invitations from you, not to indulgence, but to dependence? Would you help us to be a family of followers that doesn't try to power through? that doesn't try to rely on our strength. God, would you help us to be witnesses to Fort Worth and the other areas, but to do so in the power of your spirit, not our own. Our tendency is to not do any of that, God. So we desperately need you even to cause us to be that kind of a, a people. Would you do that for your glory and the good of this place that you've sent us? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Teaching Podcast from Salt and Light, a community based in Fort Worth, Texas, making disciples of Jesus together by seeking His kingdom in everyday life. Find out more at saltandlightfw.com.